Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Imagine, if you will, a world without the Chrysler minivan. Sure, maybe the roads look a little less frumpy. But I bet it would surprise us all about how much we'd miss those boxy rascals. Okay, now think about no more Jeeps. All those wannabe outdoorsmen with their kayak racks heading to Big Bear. I don't think I'd miss those guys very much, but I would definitely miss seeing those iconic 4x4s cruise in the streets. Alright, last one. How about the Mustang? Yeah, that Mustang. Arguably the most definitive American sports car of all time. Even for you GM stands out there, a world without that famous steed stings a little, doesn't it? Now, what if I told you that without one man with a hard-to-read last name, all these cars either would have died out long ago or wouldn't exist, period? What if I told you that the same dude would revitalize one massive car corporation, then go across town and completely rescue another? That man's name is Lee Iacocca. I-A-C-O-C-C-A. Say it with me. Iacocca. It rhymes with Triacocca, as Time Magazine would clarify to America and the world. He's arguably the most influential automotive executive of the 20th century, with over 40 years in the industry. Today on Pass Gas, try a coca or whatever beverage you prefer, and let's dive into the rags-to-riches story of one of Detroit's most powerful tycoons. Pass Gas Podcast Oh, hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> hey, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to Pass Gas, the only podcast with gas. Pass Gas with the podcast. Pass Gas with the podcast. Smack this. <laughs> I, so I was just re- reading this, and I for, totally forgot that in high school I had a Dodge Caravan, a 1990 gray Dodge Caravan. Ooh. That I shared with my sisters, and that was the nice. one that that was the car that got stolen when I had to go 
and identify my do rag and two dollars and change. Uh, it was it was found two blocks away because the yeah. transmission was slipping so much the guy just didn't even want to deal with it. <laughs> Guys, like, man, this is not worth yeah. it. Never mind. I'll find just take this do rag and this change. Yeah. <laughs> Minivans are not really like the coolest car, obviously, but like they are the best high school car. Oh, for sure. You got three rows to fit all your friends in. Yeah, and they're like pretty safe and you know like sturdy so you can do some hood rat and you're not gonna really mess up your car and you can smash in them <laughs> you put two rows together you can smash in them <laughs> put two rows together you can smash in them without your parents finding out <laughs> gotta bring garbage bags to block out the sunlight though <laughs> did the back seat fold down you know i never tried I was a virgin in high school. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I can relate. Uh, all right, well, welcome to Pass Gas, everybody. Once again, another week here on the show. Thank you very much for listening. I just want to thank everybody for listening. I, we don't do that enough. We usually save that for the end. But I feel like people may, you know, yeah. if you tune out before the end, if you don't finish every episode, you might not hear it. So thank you at the top to you, dear listener. Yeah, there's some there's some anxious fans that have never heard us thank them. Yeah, they're like, oh, man, are they even grateful? I mean, I just want you to know. Thank you, guys. From the bottom of our of my too big kind of clogged up heart. Oh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> <laughs> we're recording this the weekend or the friday right before halloween uh just that in october uh we got some new shows coming probably by the beginning of, of next year yeah we recorded a pilot for my new podcast yesterday yes that's right can we give our listeners a little sneak peek of what they can expect with this new podcast celebrity interviews car stories uh, a deep dive into my past <laughs> okay so well we'll have a new podcast out we can't really give you a name yet because we're still working on it but new I'm show thinking about works. calling it titanic <laughs> yeah <laughs> so just be on the lookout for that anyway uh if this the is donut media experience <laughs> If this is your first <laughs> first episode listening to the show, it's everybody's first episode. My name is Nolan. Uh, that's James over there. <laughs> over where? Oh, over here. Over there. I'm over here. A few, uh, a few miles away from me. And then we got Joe Weber as well. What's Mr. Up? Weber up, up there. Up there. He's on top of a ladder. Hey, hey guys. It's an audio format, Nolan. We can do whatever we want. That's true. Theater of the mind. Nolan's in the pirate ship. I'm down here in the submarine. Yeah, it's called painting the picture, painting the scene, Nolan. Joe is mm -hmm. piloting an albatross. Whoa. <laughs> That's my albatross, Gary. I was going to paint the scene of like how I've started cleaning my apartment last night, but then I realized it's not interesting. So let's just move on. Uh, this is Past Gas. It's an automotive history show. Uh, this week, we're talking about the venerable, uh, just titan of industry Lee that Iacocca. is Lee Iacocca. Lee Iacocca. You might have seen him recently. In cinema, if you saw Ford vs. Ferrari, he's played by John Bernthal. 
Uh, love John Bernthal. Great actor. Great character. Uh, but great historical figure as well. This guy really shook things up in Detroit. Had a lot of just different ways of thinking than the rest of the industry. And his success is a testament to that. So, Do you remember in Ford versus Ferrari when uh, Lee Iacocca turns into the Punisher after Enzo doesn't <laughs> sign the deal? Yeah, and he like goes down this hallway at the Ferrari factory just like <laughs> destroying people. Yeah. yeah, that was a pretty cool scene. There's that Angelina Jolie movie... Uh, those who wish me dead have you seen it uh-uh. it's like she's like a firefighter uh like in one of those observation towers anyway john bernthal plays like a like a sheriff in the small town and he's like the most ripped like badass sheriff ever it's sick. i love that man i nice. love him yeah check that out it's a good movie hey that's like your favorite actor yeah Nolan? he's one of them yeah for sure now before we get to horsepower and henry ford's hamburgers let's take a moment to consider Lee Iacocca's humble beginnings. How does the son of Italian immigrants go from running a hot dog stand in Allentown, Pennsylvania, to becoming the president of the Ford Motor Company before his 50th birthday? You sell a lot of hot dogs, that's how. (laughs) We're living in some wild times, Joe, in 2021. But imagine your fate if you were born in 1924. Lee grew up during the Great Depression, and while he was at college, World War II consumed the country. And as you might imagine... These events had a profound effect on the young man. Lee Iacocca was an only child and very close to his Italian immigrant parents, Nicola and Antoinette. Nicola was a hardworking, savvy business owner, but lost everything during the Depression. He impressed upon young Lee the importance of never spending beyond your means, and in the event that you need to borrow, pay the loan back as soon as possible. Later on, we're going to see how this advice greatly influenced the way Lee conducted his business finances. I cannot like function when I have a bunch of debt. Like it's so makes me so anxious. Not a good feeling. No, not a good feeling. Iacocca excelled in the classroom and is active in extracurricular activities. In his autobiography, he attributes much of his boardroom success to the lessons he learned as student body president and member of the debate team, particularly the importance of communication, communicating an idea and communicating with a constituency. You know, I was student body president in sixth no. grade. Oh, in sixth, Get out in of here, sixth dude. grade. That's right, dude. That's cool. Yeah, they really... What, what, what was your platform? I don't remember, actually. I just really wanted to be school president. Made a lot of cool posters that I drew myself. Uh, nice. With your face on it? No. Did you draw your face? I don't think so. I actually don't know how I won. Now I think about it. <laughs> you know, I really, but okay. So like you could only vote for school president if you're like fourth through sixth grade. And I remember really locking down like the fourth grade vote. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that makes sense because like I think of the coolest people in high school and they were two grades ahead of me. Like seniors are way too cool, but like juniors you can like talk to and they'll like give you the time of day. Oh yeah. Juniors are approachable. Yeah, totally. For sure. They'll be like, dude, we're going to need someone, you know, on jv to take my spot yeah and you can like invest in the relationship because like they'll be here next year (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna need some ears on the inside listen man i'm gonna need a sophomore next year (laughs) when i'm a senior i'm gonna need some sophomores anyway back to our story um a medical deferment for rheumatoid fever kept lee from joining the army with many of his peers on the battlefield 
of World War II, Lee felt helpless and guilty for not being able to fight, and so he poured himself into his studies. He graduated from Lehigh with a degree in industrial engineering, but also loved to study psychology, a field he says paid more dividends in his career than his actual major. Isn't that how it always goes? Lee went on to receive his master's in mechanical engineering from Princeton in 1946, and then he was hounded by a number of job suitors. When Iacocca announced that he was going to take an offer from Ford, his Princeton buddies laughed because the busted-up 1938 Ford that Lee owned would routinely break down. Iacocca responded, Those guys need me. Anybody who builds a car this bad can use some help. <laughs> I love that. Wow, you just really get the tone of his yeah, voice. What a, what a charming, charming guy. <laughs> I wish I was in his friend group for sure, dude. Yeah. During his first few years at Ford, Iacocca was deep in the industrial trenches. He was wearing overalls and working with his hands assigned to tedious engineering projects. He learned the science behind the cars, right down to the limestone that was mined to create the steel. This would garner him respect among engineers later in his career since he actually knew what they had to deal with, as opposed to other high-power executives who mostly learned about the fleets from a brochure. Despite his secure job in the Ford plant, Lee... Lee was restless. He missed working around people, so in 1955, he moved to the sales and marketing division, essentially starting back at the bottom. He didn't mind, though. In fact, <laughs> Lee loved it. Traveling up <laughs> and down the eastern seaboard, visiting dealers, and talking with customers was just what he'd been missing. Iacocca had an instinct for understanding how a market can be found with the right slogan, I can relate. While working as a mid-level sales manager in Chester, Pennsylvania, he created the 56 for 56 campaign, which offered loans on a 1956 model year cars with only $56 monthly payments. Hey, that's a good deal. Yeah. This idea was a smash. And before long, Iacocca was summoned to the Mecca of Ford in Dearborn, Michigan. I think that's super respectable to just like start basically in the mailroom, start at the bottom of different sectors well he started at the bottom now he's here yeah it's true that's what uh what french montana was yelling about i call rap yelling (laughs) (laughs) 56 dollars and uh 56 was 564 dollars today oh that's actually a lot (laughs) that's a huge that's a huge car payment yeah that's like that's like a normal car payment today if you try to like have a reasonable loan length you're looking at like 500 to 700 dollars on like any I was, car i was looking at how feasible it would for me to get a model 3 a tesla and it's around like 600 bucks per month even for like the base level <laughs> and i'm like i can't do that how much down that's i was messing with that too and i was trying to like five thousand down and it's still mm. a lot <laughs> per month i can't do it Iacocca was named vice president and general manager of the Ford division on November 10th, 1960. And as the decade began, he was keenly aware that the automotive market was getting younger. A new generation was ready to spend and Ford had to adjust to this new breed of consumer. There was a market in search of a car, as Lee put it. He knew they needed a new two-door four-seater that was cool, fast, yet affordable for the American middle class. No more than $2,500. There's no time to waste in designing the yet-to-be-named Mustang since Ford decided that its unveiling would happen at the 1964 New York City World's Fair. 
As design teams went to work, Iacocca encouraged them to take inspiration from the Lincoln Continental Mark II, a car that Lee fell in love with the first time he saw it. Mark II's long hood and short deck <laughs> would inspire more cars in Lee's career, i.e. the Dodge Viper, but the Mustang was the first. Using the base elements of the already successful Ford Falcon, like the engine and transmission, stylist Dave Ash composed the eye-catching body. As the mystery car took shape, it was time to decide on what to call it. Now, a lot of people wanted to call it the kick-ass mobile. But Lee was like, nah. <laughs> the search for the Mustang name is as hilarious as it is tedious. In fact, the legendary pony wasn't even one of the final four choices as the clock ticked down for its highly anticipated release. Lee and his team had narrowed the list to Monte Carlo, uh, <laughs> Torino, okay. uh, Monaco, and MILF. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what it's called. What was it, James? Uh, it's Cougar. Nah, same thing, same gotcha. thing. Gotcha. Yeah. But it's funny, though, because like all... All those names were used later on. Yeah, they're all great names. After much ado, they landed on Torino. It was, like, mm. it was exotic. Okay, it was sporty. Rolls off the tongue. It's a freaking uh, Clint Eastwood movie. It's perfect. <laughs> Unfortunately for the marketing team, those three adjectives could also describe Italian socialite Christina Vittore Austin, a woman... The deuce was boinking while he was in the midst of a messy divorce. Hank the deuce is, of course, uh, Hank Hen the deuce. Henry Ford II, Hank the deuce, the uh, president of Ford. When the Ford's underlings heard about the Torino, they called Lee and told him that the name uh, was too sexy and you couldn't name a sexy car after an Italian town. It wouldn't look good. Hey, Pumphrey, you did a great job uh, with the Torino name. Thank um, you. Thank you. But, We're really uh, excited. They're really thinking yeah, fix uh, the it's car. It's really good. Thank it's really you. good. Took a lot. But, a lot yeah. of effort. Um, we can't use it, though. Uh, say what? <laughs> well, it's Italian. It just wouldn't play well. We can't have, you know. I wasn't people even associate it thinking about as, that. I know, but like it might be at the back of people's minds. No, I don't think so. I think you're no, overthinking we, this, man. We can't, no, we can't do it, dude. No one's going to think about that, you freaking <sighs> narcissist. I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> hey, I haven't been speaking up this whole time. I've been in the back of the boardroom. But I think if we spell it with a U instead of an O, you know <laughs> how the town is actually spelled, uh, I think we can get away with it. Nope. <laughs> we'll get back to more past guests but right now a word from our sponsors angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well i absolutely love this because you know if you own a home it can be really hard to maintain it's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small well whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Annoyed but unsurprised, Lee and his crew moved forward. They considered going back to Ash's original idea, Cougar, and also threw a few other animal names into the hat, uh, Puma, Bronco, Mustang, and Colt. Iacocca and his team loved the American symbolism behind the wild horse Mustang, even though the name itself was inspired by the Mustang fighter plane of World War II. Hell yeah. Uh, P-51 Mustang, Cadillac of the Sky. <laughs> it was uh, Christian, Christian Bale's first movie. Cadillac of the Sky? No, Empire of the Sun. It's a great movie. Oh. It's interesting to remember uh, that this guy is only one generation removed from Naples. You know, if things had gone a little differently, there's a decent chance that Lee would have found himself working for Ferrari instead of Ford. The rest is history. The Mustang rolled out with a base price of two, three, six, eight. <laughs> the rest is history. The Mustang rolled out with a base price of 2,368 American Ooh. dollarinos. And the response was overwhelming. Demand was so high that Ford had to open another plant. Dealers had months-long waiting lists and were getting cash offers thousands of dollars above sticker price. Ford projected they could sell 75,000 Mustangs in the first year. The first day, they sold 22,000. And by the time the year ended, the number was nearly 419,000 Mustangs. That works out to over a billion dollars in sales. Holy crap. I bet he got the fattest bonus. Dude. Yeah, he's got a big bonus. I mean, this in today's money came out to about like $9 billion in sales. So that's a massive success. They That doesn't happen anymore. That doesn't happen. I mean, it does. I don't know, man. Elon Musk made $36 billion two days ago. Yeah, but that's all stock. Yeah, and that's like fleet sales. To give you an example of the Mustang and Lee's popularity, he writes in his autobiography that once while on a transatlantic flight in 1965, he was called to the cockpit where he is informed that the pilots of two nearby planes had caught wind that Lee was aboard and wanted to speak with him directly to ask if they could get their hands on a Mustang. That's kind of like not predatory, but like he's got nowhere to go. Like yeah. it's kind of <laughs> weird. I don't want to, you know, like be forced to pull a strings for my pilot. What the hell? Shortly after the Mustangs release, Lee graced the covers of Newsweek and Time Magazine in the same week. He was called the hottest thing in Detroit. And in Detroit, they burn trash <laughs> under the city. <laughs> uh, and he quickly became the most talked about businessman in the country. The Mustang vaulted Lee into the upper echelon at Ford. In 1965, he was named vice president of Ford's car and truck group. And by 1967, he was executive vice president. Hey, wow. Fast track exec right here. So I just want to clarify before I move on uh, that 
that does definitely happen. The thing I said doesn't happen. It definitely does happen. <laughs> Car yeah. companies make a lot more money than I thought. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> like but, the president but, of Ford makes like 187 million dollars a year. That's his yeah. salary. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my god, dude! I gotta become an executive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but for one model, that was just one year making a billion dollars. That's so awesome. And Ford had a huge lineup back then, so. Beyond the Mustang, Lee had a huge influence on other cars in the 60s. The Lincoln division in particular was floundering when Lee arrived, and they needed a luxury car to compete with Cadillac, which was outselling them 5 to 1. Laying in bed one night, Lee had a thought of using elements of the Thunderbird, a tried-and-true model in the Ford fleet, to create Lincoln's new luxury sedan. Here's another great example of Iacocca's business savvy, because like the Falcon, the Mustang part swap made assembly significantly cheaper. Once again, Lee was inspired by the Continental, but this time, he decided it was time to pay homage to it directly. The Mark III Continental came out in 1968, and it was an immediate hit. Lincoln turned around the thumping they were taking from Cadillac and outsold the Eldorado for the first time ever. Nice. I do like the Mark III Continental a lot. Mark III is pretty sick, bro. Pretty sick. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Mercury division needed new models to compete with Buick and Oldsmobile. A full-size luxury car, the Marquis, and its sportier sister, the Cougar, they finally got to use the Cougar name, were introduced in the late 60s to an enthusiastic reception. And within four years, Lee transformed Lincoln Mercury from Ford's ball and chain into a cash machine. Into Ford's ball and chain. Oh, oh, nice. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well done, uh, said. Slam Diego reference, dude. Nice. The early 70s were the real salad days for Lee. What the hell is a salad day? It means a good day. <laughs> All right. You ever eat a salad and realize how good you feel? <laughs> That's a salad day, dude. Actually, yeah. That's true. It's true. But then you're hungry like it's an hour and a half a, later. Uh, Mac DeMarco album. Oh. oh. Uh, Lee was promoted to president in 1970 at the age of 46. And by 73, he was the highest paid executive in America, raking in $875,000 a year, baby. <laughs> that's how much people should make. I mean, like executives. Like, that's the highest paid oh, person. Right. Yeah. At, at time. Like, is not how even much a happier could you really be after making that? Like, you can't. Oh, I can't afford a private jet with a flat screen. They say that uh, you like ha You know how people are saying like happy uh, money doesn't equal happiness. Uh, they did a study where it does equal happiness up to about eighty thousand dollars per year, and then it's the law of diminishing returns where it's like you can make a hundred million dollars and you're not doesn't make you that much happier yeah i think they got to scale that for like geographic area though because like up to 80 grand a year yeah 80 grand a year in la is just like living on a that's string when, that's like when you can start to like afford a, an apartment by yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's true it's yeah, true it, it sucks. does suck anyway lee's presidential promotion landed him in the office directly next to hank the deuce henry the second in the glass house a place that functioned more like a royal palace than a successful car company. Sounds like a kind of sick, like, shoegazy kind of, like, metal yeah. band. Glass House. Glass House. Dude, you listen to that new Glass House album? Yeah, dude. It's called uh, Cones of Shame. 
Yeah, it's a little. I I like it more than their first one, which was called Tides. <laughs> it mm-hmm. had two D's in it, right? For some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fill you in, guys, on what it's like to work in the same building as the Deuce. Every single day, exotic meals were flown in from overseas and served by waiters in white suits. Get out of here. Sushi from Japan, steaks from Argentina, hot porridge from London. What the hell? We got good porridge here, dude. (laughs) We got good hot porridge here. What's wrong with our porridge? And you're in Detroit. You're like two states away from, you know, Quaker. The hottest porridge. Yeah, the hottest Uh, porridge on earth. (laughs) Whatever Hank wanted, they got. However, Lee mentions in his autobiography that Henry II was notoriously basic when it came to his tastes, (laughs) particularly with food. No matter where Hank the Deuce traveled, he ate hamburgers, but (laughs) but complained to Lee that no one would beat the Berg in the glass house. Ever the Inquisitor... Lee asked Ford's private chef what made his patties so tasty. Turns out, it wasn't hamburger at all. It was baby meat. Oh, no. (laughs) The chef opened a freezer and showed Lee a stack of premium steaks, then proceeded to explain that he simply grinds the top shelf cut and turns it into a deuce-specific hamburger. I mean, that's that's how you do it, man. If you're making your own beef, right? You got to ground up some good, some chuck. Yeah, there's... Uh, ground up Chuck. I mean, Chuck is not a premium cut, but like, uh, if you were to grind up some prime rib, that's a very oh, fatty, yeah. delicious burger right there. Lee, yeah, Lee asked, "Where's the beef at?" And the chef's like, "I'll show you that beef. Come here." And he said, "Whoa, actually, that's a pretty good ad campaign. I'm gonna get on the <laughs> horn with Burger King." Which brings us to the next chapter and the Lee Iacocca saga. It's no secret that Henry II saw himself as both king and counselor at Ford. Maybe you've learned this for yourself, but when working for someone with that kind of power and ego, everyone is expected to fall in line. Iacocca describes Henry as relentless, aloof, and paranoid. Maybe that's the bane of rich kids who inherit their money, Lee muses in his autobiography. Nobody ever tells him the truth. They only tell him what he wants to hear. Herein lies the rub that began Lee's downfall. Iacocca was a fantastic collaborator, but he was never one to cower. His outspoken and opinionated personality was a main reason he was named president in the first place. Henry II could handle his employees getting some recognition, but as Lee would later reflect, the deuce was not to be outshined in two specific arenas, Europe and Wall Street. He loved hobnobbing with royalty across the pond and was extremely sensitive to Wall Street's perception of who was running the company. Lee had become a household name. He was being featured in magazines, appearing on late night talk shows, and effortlessly making a name for himself far outside of the auto industry. So, when the Deuce's distinguished circle of friends, as well as the stock market powers that be, began admiring Lee's talents and accomplishments, the Deuce took significant personal offense. There was also palpable tension when it came to making decisions for the fleet. The 1973 gas crisis gouged the auto industry. Billions of dollars were lost across Detroit as many Americans began buying fuel-efficient Japanese cars. Ford desperately needed to compete, so Lee and his product development buddy Hal Spurlick created the Ford Fiesta. 
Not only was it reliable and cheap to make, but Iacocca brokered a deal with Honda, who agreed to allow Ford to include their transmission and engine. Lee was convinced they had a winner, but unfortunately, the one guy he had to get approval from hated the idea. That would have been so sick. The Deuce loathed small cars. Small car, small profit, he would mutter. He also was, for lack of a better word, a racist uh, who told Iacocca that Ford would never have, and I'm editorializing here, a foreign engine in their vehicles. But the real issues between the Deuce and Lee were personal. According to Douglas Brinkley's History of Ford, Wheels for the World, Henry authorized over a million dollars in company funds for an investigation of Lee's private life. Oh my Ugh. God. And made it that we've seen that before with Ford. Yeah. What is it with the Fords and like having secret police, you know? And he made it clear that he intended to turn the company over to his son, Etzel, who was only 28 years old at the time. In early 1978, Lee was told he would report to another Ford executive who was named deputy chief executive officer ahead of Lee. Feeling the ground moving beneath him, Iacocca tried to find support among the company's board of directors, but that was just enough of an excuse for the deuce to fire him. Oh my God, deuce, you idiot. You deuce, you dunce. Dude, you dunce deuce. Now, despite everything he had accomplished, including posting a profit of $2 billion that year, Iacocca was called into Ford's office on July 13th, 1978, and given the boot. When Lee pressed him for a specific reason, Henry replied, Sometimes you just don't like somebody. <laughs> oh my God. Bring me another steak burger. Richard A. Johnson, author of Six Men Who Built the Modern Auto Industry, describes how Lee's dismissal sent shockwaves across the business world. Iacocca didn't slam the door when he stormed out of the office after being fired, but there was a big bang so forceful that it shaped the global automotive industry for the next quarter century. Wow. Lee was stunned by his termination, but fortunately, there was another massive car company eagerly waiting in the wings. Two weeks after he was fired from Ford, Lee was welcomed into the Chrysler Detroit offices with open arms, being named both president and CEO. Wow. Okay. The problem was that Chrysler was at the bottom of the food chain in the American auto industry, way at the bottom. On the day of Lee's CEO appointment, the company reported a record-breaking $159 million <sighs> quarterly loss. This, this has uh, succession vibes all over it. <laughs> they were the 10th largest corporation in the country, yet had bungled opportunities and lagged behind GM and Ford for two decades. Although I will say their muscle car era is definitely the best. Best ones. Coolest ones. Walking into the Chrysler dumpster fire couldn't have been fun. But Lee chose to view the chaos as a challenge. He knew two things. First, Chrysler needed money. And second, they needed to update their fleet. He quickly realized that without outside financial help, Chrysler was doomed. He decided to bet big and approached Congress. Yeah, <laughs> that Congress in 1979 <laughs> and, asked for an, and asked for a historic $1.5 billion to save the company. Lee passionately testified and even promised to cut his own salary from $360,000 to $1 in 1981. That's cool. Yeah. Uncle Sam surprisingly said yes. Chrysler finally had some breathing room and was able to save over half a million jobs in the process. And, and he was like, just to clarify, I meant $1 million, not $1. <laughs> 
Now that Lee had the cash, he immediately switched into development mode. He emphasized the need for new designs and hired a few of his old pals from Ford, namely his boy Hal Spurlick, Spurlick, to pursue ideas that Ford had shot down during their time there. Look, I got this. Uh, I got this idea for a car. It looks like a loafer. It's called a LeBaron. I think it's gonna do bonkers numbers. They had two pet projects that they were determined to explore: a Fiesta-like compact car that rivaled the imports like Honda and Nissan, and a larger family-specific vehicle. Two years after Lee took the helm, Chrysler introduced their K-Car line in 1981, which included the Dodge Aries, Plymouth Reliant, and Chrysler LeBaron, Joe. Yeah, see, I told you. Taking a significant detour from the decades-old rear-wheel drive, solid-axle Chrysler traditions, these models boasted a lighter frame, excellent fuel mileage, and a lower sticker price than many mid-size sedans. The results were fantastic. The K-Car line sold 2 million units over the next decade and played a massive role in helping Chrysler bounce back almost immediately. This was just a decade of, like, tan and beige cars. Yeah. I mean, it's boring, but it worked for them. I mean, it's boring, but it works. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's what... That's like the story in a bunch of different <laughs> past gas episodes. Is like it's boring, but it made them seven billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. On the heels of the K car, Chrysler introduced another model that would change the game entirely. While at Ford, Iacocca and Spurlick led the roundly rejected Minimax project, which Lee described as a van that could fit the whole family but still park in a regular garage. At Chrysler, Spurlick was free to develop his baby, and in 1983, the Dodge Caravan and Plymouth Voyager rumbled onto the scene. I don't know if I'd call it rumbling onto the scene. I mean, they're minivans. I'd say slides onto the scene. They slid onto the scene. Like the door in the back? Ah, oh, nice. Nice. I thought you were referring to the uh, how everyone in Formula D buys old caravans to drift. <laughs> Do they yeah. really? No. <laughs> That'd be sick, though. <laughs> Iacocca called the minivan revolutionary and historic and predicted that it would, quote, create extraordinary excitement and buyer interest and force other manufacturers to come up with copycat versions. And you know what? Lee was right. It's hard to overstate the impact the minivan made on American culture. For 25 straight years, it was the best-selling vehicle in the country. 25. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, most people would probably think of Lee Iacocca as the man responsible for the Mustang, but his most important legacy by far was the minivan, uh, said Kent Billingsley, author of Entrepreneur to Millionaire. <laughs> Kent Billingsley. That, the name of that book is just like A to A. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that don't make a million bucks. true. Yeah, look at half of Instagram. Am I right? Yeah. Oh my Am lord! Am I right, you are, dude? You are, you are right, dude. dude. You just Got roasted him. half of Instagram. <laughs> yeah, dude, you just roasted like so many dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Quote: It became a global phenomenon because of its extreme utility, spaciousness, and features. Now I ordered this sandwich without tomatoes. Send it back. Who's <laughs> at lunch? Country <laughs> club. <laughs> That's that millionaire mindset. You got to send that food back. You got to send that food back. 
I have a rubber band around my penis and testicles <laughs> at all times. <laughs> what? <laughs> it keeps my eyes on the prize. <laughs> We'll be right back with more of this story, but first, a word from our sponsors. As Chrysler rolled in all that minivan dough, Lee prioritized making good on the government loan. Remember the advice that Papa Nicola gave about paying your debts quickly? Well, that was put into public on a public stage, because Lee made sure that his shareholders and the world knew that he didn't abuse the opportunity. In 1984, Chrysler made more than $2.4 billion, a record for the corporation. And that same year, Lee made the final payment on the congressional loan seven years ahead of schedule. Pay it forward, Lee. We at Chrysler borrow money the old-fashioned way. We pay it back. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Throughout his historic recovery, Lee was also the face of the Chrysler's marketing campaign. He started commercials throughout the decade where audiences loved his charisma and straight-talking style. Johnson says, Iacocca was able to encapsulate complicated issues into sound bites before the term was invented. At the top of his game, he never used jargon. He had a fresh, down-the-earth metaphor for every situation. I mean, that was what got him into the Ford building in the first place, the catchy 56 for 56 idea. Well, now that he was at Chrysler... He struck gold with, If you can find a better car, buy it. It takes major cojones to basically dare a customer to go out and find a superior product, especially when yours was literally bankrupt a few years ago. But this was quintessential, confident Lee. I encourage you to watch a few of these commercials. They're great, dude. A survey at the time showed that 85% of TV viewers knew who Lee was and trusted him. That's insane. Yeah. 85%? Yeah, dude, of people who watched TV. Whoa, but like, I, I nobody knows execs now, like car execs. Uh, I'd say 85% of people know Elon Musk. That's true. He's probably the only person. But I'm saying like Ford now, or Chrysler now. But yeah, Elon Musk, good, good pull. He was to his era of the automotive industry, what Muhammad Ali was to boxing, Johnson continues. A bold, brassy braggart. When most top executives of corporations were gray, almost invisible characters. Uh, Speaking of gray characters, imagine Hank the Deuce looking up to see Lee shouting at him through the TV screen or seeing nothing but Iacocca saves Chrysler newspaper headlines for the entire decade. I bet he shed angry tears into his steak burgers as he ate them (laughs) on the toilet. That's called dynamic seasoning. When Lee wasn't on television, he was still very much involved in looking out for the future of the company. He always had his pulse on the foreign market. So when opportunities to collaborate with Mitsubishi, Samsung, Maserati, and even Lamborghini arose, he jumped at the chance. And together, they made numerous Chrysler models that improved style, efficiency, and durability while still maintaining a proud American reputation. I believe Chrysler owned Lamborghini at one point, and that's where the Viper V10 came from. Sort of. It's not the same. People always like say that the V10 from the Viper is a Lamborghini. It's not. They were just inspired. Dude, he sounds so angry right now. Uh, It's not, Joe. You know, what if someone just comes up to you and says that? Are you going to hit them? I'm going to throw hands, dude. Okay. We'll throw hands. All right. And, of course, the Mitsubishi collaboration was Diamond Star Motors, uh... 
which was a joint DSM, en- baby. DSM was which was a uh, a a joint engineering deal. As the years went on, modern classics like Dodge Ram pickups and the previously mentioned Viper were enthusiastically promoted by Lee. Another video you should check out is one of Lee at the Viper unveiling saying, quote, If this doesn't excite you, then check your pulse because you aren't feeling too damn well this morning. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love the fact that like, like, if you're dead, you can't check your pulse. It's pretty funny. Chrysler also won big in 1987 when they bought the American Motor Corporation. Lee saw an opportunity to revitalize another iconic brand, Jeep. He loved the Grand Cherokee, and although it wasn't introduced until after he retired in 1992, he was heavily involved in the concept. As you might imagine, when Lee decided to leave Chrysler, he had a flurry of new opportunities. Before we move on, we should definitely just acknowledge the Wrangler and like how big of a success oh, totally. that was as yeah. well. Yeah, insane. Uh, be cool to do an episode on that as well yeah. at some point. Anyway, there was a push for Lee to run for office. However, he was quick to shoot down any sort of uh, political involvement. Quote, I'm too outspoken to be a good politician. <laughs> uh, let me see the birth <laughs> No, Lee, no. <laughs> If a guy's giving me a lot of baloney, I tell him to buzz off because he's wrong. Somehow, I don't think the presidency works that way. Wow, how much yeah. times have changed. Yeah. <laughs> Lee devoted most of his later years to the Iacocca Family Foundation, a charity that supports diabetes research. His first wife, Mary, died of diabetes, so Lee was committed to helping related causes in any way he could. In 2005, however, Iacocca was briefly back as a Chrysler pitchman Appearing in ads alongside Snoop Dogg. <laughs> what? Hell yeah, dude. That makes sense. In what world does that make sense? <laughs> you tell me. Th- this is a progenitor of the uh, Martha Stewart Snoop Dogg uh, team we got going on right now. Yeah, people just realized that Snoop Dogg could like bounce off of anyone that he was on screen with. And they're like, let's put him in everything. Let's get Calvin Brodus on the phone. I think he'd be great in this. Lee wrote three best-selling books through the year. His 1984 biography, Iacocca, Talking Straight in 1988, and 2007's Where Have All the Leaders Gone? (laughs) In uh, the TV show 30 Rock, Jack Donaghy describes Lee as one of only three businessmen in history to successfully not make a single mistake for an entire day. Uh, Lee died, unfortunately, a couple years ago on July 2nd, 2019. He was 94 years old. That's a full life right there. Pretty good run, man. As we've learned, Lee Iacocca could very well be the most influential American car executive of the last 70 years. Without him, some of the most memorable vehicles on the road would not exist. After his Chrysler resurrection, he was not only the most popular figure in the auto world, but in the business world, period. His brash personality, brilliant leadership skills, and passion for innovation made him a groundbreaking executive and developer, and uh, just a cool guy. A firebrand. He's a firebrand. They got to make an Iacocca movie with John Bernthal. I know. I love the idea of like uh, making it, building out like a universe not based on superheroes. That'd be cool. Of just man. all like auto executives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> auto executives and figures all in the same, the cinematic universe. Yeah, I think. 
like I usually hate those kind of ideas, but because it's something I like, I, I am into it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. H- Hank the deuce is like a uh, kingpin. It's like for some huge and fat. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, now I'm hungry for a steak burger. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go grind, grind up some meat, Joe. Thank you very much for listening uh, for listening to the show. We thanked you at the top. Now we're getting another thank you at the end here. This was a really fun one. Um, follow my boys at Joe G. Weber, at James Pumphrey. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. Again, we're, we, we got some new podcasts in the mix. Uh, so keep it locked. Uh, <laughs> keep it locked. Hey, grab your Zune and keep it locked. Toot toot, baby, baby, toot toot. All right. Uh, until next time, be kind. I love you. And keep it you. I can't quit you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.